Amen. All right. Well, of course, today is Father's Day, and uh, I'm going to be speaking on the subject of fathers and Father's Day, and we're celebrating fathers today. And uh, you're there in Joshua chapter 24. In Joshua 24, we see uh, this man, Joshua, who's a great leader, and he is giving a speech to the children of Israel, and it's really his farewell address. He's getting ready to die. And in verse 15, we find this very famous passage of Scripture, Joshua 24 and verse 15. The Bible says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And of course, this is a great uh, passage uh, for fathers to be aware of and just by way of introduction, I'd, I'd like to uh, begin by stating the fact that fathers are extremely important. Uh, fathers are extremely important within the family unit. They're extremely important for society. And the Word of God says that, but our society even has come to the place where they realize that studies prove it. And just by way of introduction, I'd like to read uh, to you some statistics that, uh, that have came out in regards to fathers. One of them says this, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, 71% of teenage pregnancies resulted from homes with no father present. Uh, Adolescent girls who have a close relationship with their fathers are more likely to delay a physical relationship with a member of the opposite sex, and adolescent girls whose fathers were present during their childhood are less likely to become pregnant. According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. According to the U.S. Department of Justice, 70% of youth in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youth in prison come from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. Fatherless boys and girls are twice as likely to drop out of high school, twice as likely to end up in jail, and four times more likely to need help for emotional and behavioral problems. And all that to say this, fathers are important, and uh, families need fathers, and unfortunately, many fathers are missing in action. And today, I'd like to preach to you on the subject of what every father must do, and we've, of course, been going through a series uh, for the last several couple of months on the subject of the family, and this will be included in that series, What Every Father Must Do, because too many fathers are AWOL. They're missing in action. Here's another stat for you. There is an estimated 64.3 million fathers across the nation, and only 26.5 million of those fathers are married to the mother of their children and living with their own children. Here's a quote It says, a generation ago, an American child could reasonably expect to grow up with his or her father. Today, an American child can reasonably expect not to. And unfortunately, fathers are, in many ways, as a society, uh, dropping the ball. 
and they are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. The Bible talks a lot about the subject of family, about mothers, and about fathers. And I'd like to just show you from the Bible this morning what it is that every father must do. And of course, being Father's Day, we'll focus in on the fathers today. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to take notes, especially if you're a father. On the back of your chorus of the week, there's a place for you to write down uh, some things. I'd like to give you four statements, four things that every father must do. If you're going to succeed as a father, what are the things that you must do? As a father, number one, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Fathers must, of course, first take the lead. Fathers must take the lead. And fathers must begin by taking personal responsibility. They must take responsibility for their spiritual, for their personal spiritual well-being. I want you to notice here again in Joshua 24 and verse 15. Notice what Joshua says. He says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, the context is about serving God. He says, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods on the other, uh, which the, your fathers served uh, that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land uh, ye dwell. Notice what he says. This is a famous statement. This, is, uh, this statement is hung uh, uh, in, in many Christian homes, and oftentimes uh, Christians will buy uh, uh, different decorations for their home, and this is a portion of Scripture that will be hung on there. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is a statement of a, uh, of a husband. This is a statement of a father. This is the statement of a leader. He's the leader of a nation, but he's a leader of his family. And he says, you know, in regards to me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. But I want you to notice that he begins by saying, but as for me. See, a leader and a father must take responsibility for their personal, spiritual uh, well-being. Keep your place right there in Joshua, if you would. Joshua 24. And flip over with me to the book of Genesis. The very first book in the Bible should be fairly easy to find. Genesis chapter 18. Keep your finger in Joshua 24 because we're going to come right back to it. Genesis chapter 18. See, Dad, you need to take the lead. Fathers must take the lead. But what that means is that you as a father must first, uh, the leader means that you go first. It means that you are the one uh, in front. When it comes to spiritual matters, you need to be able to say, like Joshua, but as for me. See, he made the statement, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But he could also make the statement, but as for me, I will serve the Lord. And dads need to step up in their spiritual walk and take personal responsibility for their spiritual well-being. If you're there in Genesis chapter 18, I want you to notice verse 17. Here we have God, the Lord, speaking to Abraham. Genesis 18 and verse 17, the Bible says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? And I want you to notice, this is God speaking about Abraham. And I want you to notice what he says in verse 18. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed of him. Notice the first part of verse 19. He says, For I know him. This is God speaking about Abraham, and he says, I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. This is an amazing statement, in my opinion, to read. 
God looking down at a man named Abraham, and he says, here's what I know about Abraham, that he will command his children and his household after them, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. And, and, and here's the, the, the question I have for every father in the room this morning, every husband in the room this morning, every leader of a family in the room this morning, can God say of you, I know him? I know that he will lead his children. I know that he will lead his household. I know that they will keep the way of the Lord. I know that they will do justice and judgment and that that he's going to follow in the ways of God. See, fathers must begin by taking responsibility for their uh, personal spiritual well-being. Dads must take the lead. And what that means is uh, when we're going to lead others, it means that we must go first. We must have a walk with God. We must love the Lord. We must be serious about our spiritual walk. So fathers must take responsibility for their personal spiritual well-being. But of course, fathers must also take responsibility for their family's spiritual well-being. Notice again there in verse 19, he says, For I know him, that he will. What is it that God knew about Abraham? Here's what God knew about Abraham, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. I I love these statements. See, with, with Abraham, God knew that with Abraham, it was not up for debate in Abraham's house whether we were going to serve the Lord or not. It's the same thing that we saw there with Joshua. If you go back to Joshua 24 and verse 15, where he says, But if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. Notice again the last part of verse 15. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You say, what do we need in America uh, today, being Father's Day, thinking about fathers and speaking to fathers? What do we need in the United States of America? What do we need at Verity Baptist Church? And I will tell you this, what we need in America, what we need in the city, what we need in this country, what we need in this church is men that have children, that have wives, that are leaders in their home. We need men to stand up and decide that they're going to take the lead spiritually in their home and that they're not just going to make it something they hang up on their wall somewhere. And look, we've got that verse hung up on our wall at my house as well, but they need to make it a goal in their life. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to take the lead. We're going to serve God. And it's not up for debate. He will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. You say, what is it that fathers need to do, that fathers must take the lead? They need to take personal responsibility for their spiritual well-being, and they need to take responsibility for their family's uh, well-being. They need to be interested in their uh, wives' spiritual development, their children's spiritual development, their own spiritual development. Listen to me, dads. You need to be the one that's setting the temperature spiritually in your house. It it shouldn't be your kids deciding whether we're going to go to church or not. I mean, it shouldn't be your wife deciding. You say, well, you know, my wife doesn't want to go to church. Uh, My kids don't want to go to church. Hey, you're the leader. You're the boss. You be like Abraham and command your children, your household after you and say, no, we're going to serve God together. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
Develop the influence that you need to develop. Develop the the, the respect that you need to uh, gain from uh, those that follow you. And decide, I will take the lead. Fathers must, number one this morning, take the lead. But I'd like you to notice, secondly, this morning, you're there there in Joshua. If you just flip over to the book of Judges, Judges chapter 7. Not only must fathers take the lead, but secondly, fathers must set the example. And all of these things are interwined. Fathers must take the lead. Fathers must set the example. And by the way, let me just say this. This is not just for fathers. Any position of leadership, one of the most powerful and probably the most important thing that anybody can do in any position of leadership, whether you're a husband, a father, a pastor, whether you're uh, just the boss at at, at a secular job, you're the business owner, you're the manager, the, the greatest thing you can do as a leader, and every leader must be able to set an example. I love in Judges chapter 7 and verse 17, we have the story of, of Gideon. And I, I love what he says in verse 17 as he was leading his 300 soldiers into battle. Judges 7 and verse 17, the Bible says, And he, referring to Gideon, said unto them, his followers, his soldiers. Notice what he says. I love this. I mean, this is just kind of leadership. If you want to know what, what leadership is, you can find it in just a couple of phrases in this verse. He says, Judges seven seventeen, and he said unto them, notice what he says. He says, look on me and do likewise. Amen. You know that every leader should be able to say, look on me and do likewise. Amen. Every leader needs to take the lead, but they need to, along with that, and in order to do that, they need to set the example. And every great leader should be able to say, look on me and do likewise. Hey, Dad, you ought to be able to look at your sons and say, sons, look on me and do likewise. You ought to be able to look at your wife and look at your daughters and look at anyone else that, uh, that might be looking at you for leadership and say, look on me and do likewise. Gideon said, look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that. Notice what he says. I love it. He says, as I do, so shall ye do. Amen. That's what leadership is. Leadership is setting the example. Leadership is saying, just do what I'm doing. Just do what I've done. Just look on me and do likewise as I do, so shall ye do. Paul said it this way. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. In Acts 1, in verse 1, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read this for you. In fact, if you would, I'd like you to uh, turn to Proverbs, Proverbs 23. In Acts 1, here's what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke, the author of the book of Acts, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, said these words. He wrote the former treatise referring to the gospel of Luke. He says, have I made, O Theophilus? And here's what he said. He said, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. The Bible says that everything Jesus taught, he did. I love how it says, all that Jesus began both to do and teach. See, first Jesus set the example He did what he taught others to do. That's what a great leader does. A great leader is able to look at those that are following him and say, look on me and do likewise. Every father should be able to look at his children. Every husband should be able to look at his wife and say, as I do, so shall ye do. Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23, look at verse 26. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 26. And again, this is, this is for all leaders in all leadership positions. We're focusing in and applying it to fathers this morning. 
But notice what Solomon wrote down in the book of Proverbs. He says, my son. He says, my son. By the way, the book of Proverbs was primarily written by Solomon, and it was primarily, we understand that it's scripture, and it's given by the Holy Spirit of God, but it was primarily written by Solomon, a father, writing some things down to his son, giving some instructions to his son. He says, my son, give me thine heart. But notice what he says. He says, and let thine eyes observe my ways. What was Solomon saying to his son when he said, let thine eyes observe my ways? Here's what he was saying. He was saying, look on me and do likewise. He was saying, as I do, so shall ye do. He was saying, he, he was saying I'm taking the lead. I'm setting the example. Hey, dad, you need to be the example of a Christian man that your children can look up to, that you can look behind and say, look on me and do likewise. See, it is the example of a godly father that will bless your children. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 7. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 7. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 20 and verse 7. The Bible says, The just man walketh in his integrity. The just man walketh in his integrity. He takes the lead. He does what's right. He's honest. He has character. He has integrity. He, he doesn't lie. He tells the truth. He walks with, with God. He walks righteously. Notice, the just man walketh in his integrity. And then notice what the Bible says. You see a colon there. His children are blessed after him. You say, what does one have to do with the other? Well, here's what you need to understand. A just man walketh in his integrity, and as a result of his integrity, his children are blessed after him. Amen. Fathers should be able to look at their children and say, as I do, so shall ye do. By the way, if you set the right example, you won't even have to say those words. See, your walk talks. Your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. So you can sit there and tell your children, do this and do this and do that. But while you're doing uh, something different, that's called being a hypocrite. Your children see that. They understand. They, they know whether you actually love the Lord. They know whether you actually walk with God. They know whether your Christianity is just a facade. It's just fake. It's just something you do on Sunday mornings just to put on a show and check off a list somewhere. Hey, they're not dumb. They know. Fathers must take the lead. Fathers must set the example. They must walk in their integrity. Go back to Genesis, if you would. Genesis. Genesis chapter 34. I'm blessed, of course, to have my, my father and my mother as members of my church, our church, Verity Baptist Church, and I'm thankful for that. Thankful for the godly heritage that I was given. I'm thankful for the fact that I was raised in a, in a Christian home. And you, you've heard me tell this story before. But when, when we grew up, when I was growing up, we grew up in the Bay Area and we, we were poor. You know, everybody says they're poor, but we were actually poor. You say, how, how do you know the difference? Well, here's how I, I knew the difference. At the time, I didn't know we were poor. <laughs> but looking back on it as an adult, I'm like, wow, we were poor. You say, what, what do you mean by poor? I mean, like, my brother and I slept on couches in the living room uh, till we were, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old, you know, because we, we didn't have uh, a house that had rooms to, to fit us, you know. And I, and, 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 and I bring that up to say this. As a result of, 
of sleeping on a couch in the living room for my childhood. I don't know how many memories I have. I have many memories, hundreds of memories, I'm sure, of being woken up at 5 in the morning, 5.30 in the morning, by a light in the kitchen, which was right next to where we were sleeping, and looking in and seeing my father at 5 in the morning with his Bible open, reading the Word of God before he goes, before he went to work. And and I'm just here to tell you that there's something about the example that a father sets for his children. Even, Even without words, even just by your walk, in your integrity. See, the Bible says that a just man walketh in his integrity and his children are, are blessed after him. And that, I've just got to ask you the question, what are your children learning by watching you? What are your sons learning about how to treat their future wife based on how they see you treat your wife? What are your daughters learning about how they should be treated by their future husband based on how they see you treat their mother? What are your children learning about how to treat their future fellow church members based on how they see you treat and talk about your fellow church members? What are your children learning about how to treat and feel about their future employer based on how they hear you talk about your employer? What are your children learning about how to serve God based on how they see you serve God or not serve God? What are your children learning about being faithful to church as they watch your faithfulness or lack of faithfulness to church? What are your children learning about how to treat their future pastor and their pastor's wife as they see you talk about your pastor and your pastor's wife? I'm just asking, what what are your children learning? Because I'm afraid that a lot of children are learning a lot about hunting and sports and all sorts of manly things that men are into, but Dad, are you setting a spiritual example for your children? Are you showing your children, what a man looks like who walks in integrity, who lives an honest life, who doesn't steal, who doesn't cheat, who tells the truth even when it hurts him, who does right. Are you you walking in integrity? Because the Bible says that a just man walketh in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. Fathers must take the lead. And fathers must set the example. Every leader should be able to say, look on me and do likewise. Would to God that every, every dad in this room could look at his children and say, hey, when it comes to Bible reading, look on me and do likewise. Amen. When it comes to church attendance, look on me and do likewise. When it comes to soul wedding, look on me and do likewise. When it comes to prayer time, look on me and do likewise. When it, when it comes to, to being a hard worker, look, look on me and, and do likewise. What to God that every dad would be able to look at his wife and look at his children and look at anyone that's looking up to him in leadership and say, as I do, so shall ye do. Amen. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I said number one this morning that fathers must take the lead. I said number two that fathers must... Set the example. Thirdly, this morning, I'd like you to write this down. Fathers must provide and protect. Fathers must provide and protect. I'd like you to go to Genesis 34 if you're not there. While you go there, let me just read to you from 1 Timothy 5.8. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. But the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5.8, But if any provide not for his own, 
And especially for those of his own house, he had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. You know, fathers, you have been given the God-given responsibility of providing for your children physically. Amen. For their physical needs. Years ago, we had a group of guys in our church that got wrapped up in this. There's this movement called Men Going Their Own Way, MGTOW. And it's all these men, and, and if you really look into it, what you find, it's all these guys that can't get a date. And they're just bitter at women and angry at women. And they make statements like, well, we're never going to marry a woman because she'll just divorce you and you'll have to pay child support. They're, they're, they're big things. Are, they're against women, you know, asking for child support. Uh, you know, and, but, and, and people would come to me, ask me about this, and, and these guys would ask me about it. And, and my thing is this, look, I, you're not going to get any sympathy from me on paying child support because, you know what, that's your job. And, and, and the fact that she has to take you to court to make you do your job says something about you and your lack of character and your laziness because God said that you're supposed to provide for your own and especially for those of your own household. And when you don't, you're worse than a heathen. You're worse than an infidel. Right, right. So fathers should provide and it should not be forced. It should not be court ordered. It should be something you do out of character and integrity Amen. because God gave you those children to provide. So you should provide, but you know what? Not only should you provide, you should protect. Your job, dad, is to protect. Now, if you're there in Genesis 34, I'd like you to notice the story. The story kind of highlights this idea of protection. And there's lots of stories we could look at in the Bible. I won't take the time to do it, but Genesis 34, verse 1. The Bible says, And Dinah, the daughter of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob. This is Jacob's we all know that Jacob had 12 sons, but he also had one daughter. Her name was Dinah. The Bible says, And Dinah, the daughter of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. These are worldly friends. She's going out to see the daughters of the land, not God's people. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, saw Dinah, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. And I'll skip some of this. He wants to marry her after this act of fornication. Verse 5. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter. Now his sons were with his cattle in the field. Why don't you notice this? And Jacob held his peace until they were come. Jacob heard that his daughter had been defiled and the Bible tells us that Jacob held his peace. What did he do? He, he, first of all, failed to protect her. And then once she'd been defiled, he failed to stand up for her or do anything for her. He, the Bible just tells us he held his peace. He didn't say anything. He didn't do anything. He didn't protect her. Listen to me, Dad. Your job is to protect your children. And, and it's interesting to me because... And again, I won't take the time to go through this whole thing. But the Bible says, if you look down to verse number 7, it says, And the sons of Jacob came out of the field when they heard it, and the men were grieved, and they were very wroth. Now think about this. Jacob hears that his daughter has been defiled, and he held his peace. The brothers hear that their sister has been defiled, and the men were grieved, and they were very wroth, because he had wrought folly in Israel in lying with Jacob's daughter, which things ought not to be done. I mean, the, 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 the brothers are upset. No reaction from dad. 
Now the brothers, Simeon and Levi, they devise a plan, and I won't go into the whole story. They end up killing Shechem and all the men of his city, and that's, that's not right. I'm not saying that was right. But I just want you to notice when Jacob calls them out for this, in verse 31, the Bible says, and they said, their response to Jacob was, should he deal with our sister as with an harlot? I, I want you to understand something, Dad. The fastest way to get your children to turn on you and to be bitter towards you is for you to fail to protect them. And when you, if you fail to protect them, to not even acknowledge it, to just keep quiet about it, to just hold your peace. By the way, this is the exact same thing that happened to David. Remember David, when he heard that Amnon had raped his half-sister Tamar, his daughter, David's daughter, the Bible says that he was very wroth, but he did nothing about it. And as a result, if you remember Absalom, Tamar's brother, after two full years, took matters into his own hands, killed Amnon, and then as a result of growing bitter towards his father, David, he uh, started a civil war in an attempt to take his father's kingdom. Why? Because David failed to protect his daughter, his children. Jacob failed to protect. Look, I'm just here to tell you, Dad, your job is to protect those kids. My family and I were recently in a subway. We're eating lunch, and there was two young teenage girls working at the counter, and one teenage girl on her break, having her lunch break. We sat down to eat, and some ghetto, loud-mouthed guy walks in. And I mean, he's just loud and ghetto. You, you can tell he had no money. And he starts, he, you know, he thinks he's a Mac Daddy or something. I don't know what he thought. <laughs> and he starts talking to this girl, and he's being real loud. And, and I'm facing behind him, but I'm listening to this thing. I look up at my sons, and they're both looking at him. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, and he starts getting really loud and obnoxious. And, and, and we start kind of thinking, like, is this going to become a, a bad thing? And I, I have a CCW, but I wasn't caring at the time. And I thought to myself, if this guy starts going crazy, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have... Uh, a, a weapon on me, but you know, I was just looking around. I'm like, well, I can stab him with this spork, you know. <laughs> and um, and I'm, you know, I'm just listening to this whole thing. And 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 he ended up just, I don't know, said a few things, and then he, he just left. But but I thought, to, you know, my wife and I were talking about this, and we we're talking about here you have these three teenage girls at the subway, and, and they're literally just vulnerable. To any guy, any jerk just walking in and trying to talk to them and being obnoxious and trying to hit on them. And, and there's literally nothing they can do about it. The girl just has to sit there and kind of talk to them, like, oh, you're hoping he'll, he'll go away. Because if she says something rude to him, he might blow up. And, and they're literally unprotected. You say, well, if he blows up, they can call the cops. So they can show up 35 minutes later. I'm, I'm just here to tell you, Dad. And by the way, every man, it's your duty as a man to protect those around you. That's right. Amen. a matter if it's your daughter or not. You find yourself in a restaurant, some guy's uh, getting out of control. It's your job to step in and help. Amen. Fathers must provide and they must protect. It's our job, men, to protect, not to hurt, not to injure, not to take advantage of the ladies and the children around us, 
It's our job to protect them. You find yourself on a ship and it's going down, it's women and children first. If need be, men go down with the ship. That's how it's supposed to be. Men stand up and men are strong. Men have courage and men protect their families. Say, what is it that every father must do? Number one, fathers must take the lead. Number two, fathers must set the example. Number three, fathers must provide and protect. Lastly this morning, let me give you the last one. Go with me to Ephesians if you would. Ephesians chapter number 6. In the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 6. Fathers must take the lead. They must set the example. They must provide and protect. Lastly this morning, fathers must bring them up. Bring them up. You say, bring them up what? Bring them up how? Bring them up to what? For the Lord. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, this is maybe the most famous verse in the Bible regarding fathers. The Bible says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. See, the Bible tells us that See, it's not, your, it's not just that your job is to go out and, and, and make money and provide for the physical needs of your family, although that is your job. It is not just that your job is to make sure you have a gun or have a bat or have whatever or have muscles or whatever to be able to protect, physically protect your family. That's part of your job, too. It's made, you, know, you better make sure you're ready to, to take a bullet for your wife and take a bullet for your children and, and, and protect them. But your, your job is also to help raise those children. It's not your wife's job alone to raise those kids. No, no, the Bible says that you are to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You say, well, what does that mean exactly? And I'd like to break those two words down, nurture and admonition, because those really are the two key words when it comes to a father's way of raising his children. How does a father bring them up to bring children up for the Lord? Let me begin with this word. He must admonish them. Admonish. If you would, go back to Proverbs. I'm not sure if you kept your place in Proverbs. I meant to tell you to keep your place there. If not, if you open up your Bible just right in the center, you're more than likely following the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4. See, the Bible says that We as fathers are supposed to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Two words are given to us. Nurture and admonition. You say, what does that mean? Admonish or admonition is defined as to warn, to reprimand, to give counsel, or to give advice. See, Dad, your job is to admonish your children. What does that mean? That means that sometimes you have to give them advice. Sometimes you have to give them counsel. Sometimes you have to give them warning. But sometimes you have to reprimand them. I mean, admonish falls in all of that. It's positive and negative. It's reprove, rebuke, exhort. Sometimes it's, hey, I don't think you should do that. I don't think you should be making that decision. Let me give you a warning about that young man. Let me give you a warning about that young lady. Sometimes it's reprimanding them and rebuking them. It's admonish. You say, what does that mean? It means that, Dad, your job is to open your mouth and communicate with your children. 
He said, well, why does God feel the need to tell us? Because God kind of highlights this a lot throughout the Bible, this idea of fathers communicating, fathers communicating with their children. Go to Proverbs 4. Look at verse 1. Notice what the Proverbs say. Proverbs 4, 1. Hear. Notice the idea of communication. Hear, ye children. Notice the instruction of a father. Fathers should be instructing. Children should be listening. And attend to no understanding. Notice what a dad says. He says, for I give you good doctrine. Dad, are you teaching your children doctrine? Are you teaching them the word of God? Are you teaching them that that what we believe, that salvation is by grace through faith? Are you teaching them about eternal security, that once you have it, you're you're secure in Christ and you cannot lose it? Are you teaching them about the King James Bible? Are you teaching them about soul winning? Are you teaching them about the standards and separation? Are Are you teaching them what we believe? See, kids don't need to just be told what to do. They also need to be told why we do it. Why we believe the things we believe. Why we educate the way we educate. Why we dress the way we dress. Why we act the way we act. Why we don't go to certain places and do go to certain places. Why the King James versus the NIV. Hey, why soul winning? They need to be taught these things and that it's your job. You say, Pastor, no, that's your job. Hey, I will help you. But I've got them for three hours a week. You've got them all week long. He says, I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. Notice verse 3. He says, for I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He, notice, he taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. I wonder how many dads could say to their children, let thine heart retain my words. Say, why does God emphasize this idea of communication? I believe the reason that God emphasizes because unfortunately the average man stinks at communication and if you don't believe it ask your wife the average guy just really does not communicate well at all i mean i i get text messages from a lot of guys and i'm just thinking to myself like good night i can see why your wife hates you <laughs> i kind of hate you and i'm not even married to you just the way you talk and the things you say. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Go to Psalm 78 if you would. If you go backwards from Proverbs to Psalm, Psalm 78. Dad, are you admonishing your children? You're warning them? reprimanding them, but also giving them counsel, giving them advice. Psalm 78, I I love Psalm 78. When it comes to a passage of Scripture in regards to fathers, I think Psalm 78 is probably my favorite. Psalm 78 verse 1 says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. This is God speaking to His people. He says, Give ear, the great Heavenly Father telling His children, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. But I love verse 3 when it says, Which we have heard and known. So God says, Hey, listen to what I have to say, God says. But then we're told in verse 3, What God has to say, we've heard and known. I love this phrase. 
and our fathers have told us. Dad, when you're gone, what will your children say that you told them? My dad talked a lot about sports. He was really into football. What a waste. I hope, I hope when I'm gone, my children will say about myself and my wife that we taught them the word of God. That we taught them to love the Lord. That we taught them to serve God. He said, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He had done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. That the generations to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. We just spent some days in Washington, D.C. And of course, there's a lot of paganism in Washington, D.C. But one thing that we noticed as we were going around looking at these monuments is that the Word of God is inscripted everywhere in that city. We went to the Lincoln Memorial and we were reading, my wife read out loud. They have the, of course, Gettysburg Address and they have the uh, speech that Lincoln gave at his second inauguration. And she read it out loud as we were there and reading it to the children, of course, listening in. And my kids commented, his inauguration, he's like, he's preaching a sermon. He's like quoting the word of God and making points about God and the Bible. And obviously, not every American has been a Christian, and I understand that, but our, our nation was founded on concepts of Christianity and the Bible. And the word of God did play a role in in the beginning stages of this nation, but that is not the country you and I live in today. And you say, what happened? What happened is Psalm 78, some fathers failed to make them known to their children. Some generations to come did not know because a dad did not arise and declare them to their children. That it's your job to admonish, to speak, to communicate, to warn, to reprimand, to give counsel, to advise your kids. Fathers must bring them up. You say, how do you bring them up? You must admonish. But I want you to notice, it's not just admonish, it's also nurture. Keep your finger right there in Psalms. We're going to come back to it. Go back to Ephesians chapter 6. See, Dad... Your job is not to be some drill sergeant in your house and just barking orders. That's not leadership. This is why God tells us in Ephesians, and look, men, men we're, we're rough and we're whatever, you know. And, and we, I think men, we, we struggle with this. Sometimes we can just be tough and rough. God says in Ephesians 6.4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Provoke not your children to wrath. In Colossians, you're there in Ephesians, if you flip over to Colossians, Philippians, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, we're almost done. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians 3, 21. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. Notice, lest they be discouraged. 
Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, the Bible says, lest they be discouraged. If you go back to Ephesians 6, 4, it says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What does that word nurture mean? It means to care for, to encourage, to, to help with the growth and the development. It's the same idea uh, from the word nourish, to give nutrients, to strengthen. See, that is not just your job to admonish and to tell your kids what they're doing wrong and how to do it right, but it's your job to admonish while you nurture. Both these things have to go hand in hand. You need to admonish, which means to give counsel, to advise, to reprimand, to warn. Yeah, it's your job to sit there and communicate with your children what they're doing wrong and how to do it right and what the right thing is to do. But that has to be coupled with nurture, with care and love. And by the way, that's true of all leadership. Whether you're a husband or a boss or a pastor, we don't just sit there and reprimand. We admonish and we nurture. That we provoke not our children to wrath. That we provoke not our children to anger lest they be discouraged. Go to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Dad, you got to love your kids. You gotta spend quality time with them. Psalm 103 and verse 13. Psalm 103 and verse 13, the Bible says, Like as a father pitieth. You see that word pitieth? It means to have compassion, to have love. As a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. That should be the characteristic of your parenting, dad, is that you admonish and you nurture, that you have compassion, you pity your children. Go, go back to Proverbs 29, if you would. You're there in Psalm, just flip back to Proverbs 29. Look at verse 21. Here we have a verse that doesn't have to do with fatherhood necessarily. There's an application made to fatherhood. But it's about a servant, about an employee. Proverbs 29 and verse 21, the Bible says, He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at the lane. And here's the key word. Delicately. He said, what is it saying? Here's what it's saying. A man could enter into a relationship with a young man, a child, that he's not physically related to, it's an employee-employer relationship. He's a master and a servant. And yet because of his gentleness and because of his delicacy, the Bible says, he that delicately bring the, bringeth up. Remember, you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This man is delicately bringing up his employees in the nurture and his servant in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And as a result of his delicate, loving uh, 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 admonition and nurture of this servant, the servant becomes like a son to him. He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at the length. But yet, there's many examples, like the one we saw of David and Absalom, where sons end up hating their dads. They're actual physical rela related to their dad. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you 
the reason for all of those situations, obviously there's lots of reasons that that could happen, but I believe that one reason has to do with this word delicate. Listen, if you're in leadership, you got to learn this word delicate. You want your employees to hate you. You know, if you're a pastor, you want your church members to hate you. You want your wife to hate you. You want your kids to hate you. Disregard this word delicate. See, delicate, you know who we're delicate with? People we care about. He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him because his son, will have him become his son at the length. Go to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. We're going to look at Proverbs 23 and and a, a verse in Malachi and we'll be done. Proverbs 23. So what is it that every father must do? Fathers must, number one, take the lead. They must take responsibility for their personal spiritual well-being and, for the, and responsibility for their family's spiritual well-being. Number two, fathers must set the example. Every leader must be able to say, look on me and do likewise. And fathers should be able to look at their children and say, as I do, so shall ye do. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Fathers must provide and protect. Must provide for the physical needs of their children and they must protect the physical needs of their children. And lastly, fathers must bring them up for the Lord in the nurture and admonition. Those, those are coupled together of the Lord. See, Dad, when you do all this, when you take the lead, when you set the example, when you provide and protect, when you bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, here's what you gain with your children is influence is that you get to influence them. Is that when you speak, they listen. They, they know it's coming from a position of love and that you're looking out for them. One thing I, I try to, I, we tell our children, I try to instill this in the hearts of my children, and I hope it's getting in there. I try to, we try to tell, my wife and I try to tell our kids, look, there's nobody in this world, there's nobody in this world that, cares more about your well-being than your father and your mother. So sometimes we tell you things you don't want to hear, but we're not telling you that because we're just trying to be mean to you. We actually care about you. See, fathers, we must endeavor to not lose our children's hearts. Having influence, the biblical terminology for that is to have their hearts. Proverbs 23 and verse 26, remember what Solomon said? He said, my son... Give me thine heart. Give me thine heart. And let thine eyes observe my ways. Every goal, the goal of every father in this room should be this, to have his children's hearts. Amen. You say, I, I don't know how to do it. How do I do it? Here's how you do it. You take the lead, you set the example, you provide and protect, and you bring them up in nurture and admonition. Don't forget nurture. Say, I don't have my children's heart. You probably failed somewhere in that equation. You either have not taken the lead, you've not set the example, you've not provided, you've not protected, or you have failed to admonish, or you have failed to nurture. That's it. You say, I want my children's hearts. Well, here's the thing. Before your children will give you their heart, and look, by the way, just know this. When they're little babies and they're born and they're little toddlers, they're little children, you've got their hearts. It's when they start getting older. There's these pools for people trying to steal their hearts, steal the influence from you. 
Malachi, if you would, chapter 4. You say, how do I ask my children for their heart? You don't ask them for it. It's something that happens. You say, how do I get my children's heart? Here's how it happens, Dad. You must endeavor to not lose your children's heart. You say, how do I do that? By endeavoring to turn your heart, your heart, your heart, your heart towards your children first. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 6. This is speaking about the work that God will do. Notice, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Notice, before the heart of the children is turned to their fathers, the heart of the fathers is turned to the children. See, Dad, here's, here's the truth. Can I just be honest with you? Your kids know whether your job, your career, your business, your hobbies, your sports are more important to you than they are. They know that. They may never say that. You may never communicate that. But innately, they know that. They know when your heart is turned from them towards something else. But here's the good news. Your wife and your kids and your servants and anyone that calls you a leader will also internally and innately know when your heart has been turned towards them. And when the heart of a leader, when the heart of a husband, when the heart of a father turns towards his wife and towards his children, their hearts turn towards him. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. But here's how you do it. You turn your heart towards your children. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for fathers. And Lord, I thank you that our church is filled with some amazing fathers, some great fathers. Obviously, none of us are perfect, and we could all do better, be better. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to be better. I pray that you'd help us to take these lessons that we've learned today. For those of us that are dads, to take the lead, to set the example, to provide and protect, to bring them up and nurture and admonition. Lord, I realize that there are things in people's past that cannot be changed. And in those areas, we just give the advice that Paul gives, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. But I pray for the men in this room that have kids in their home right now. They still have the opportunity to turn their hearts towards their children, to turn their hearts towards God, and to ask for the heart of their wife and their children. I pray you give them the courage to do it. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.